Hello and welcome once again to Wrestling Memories on Pioneer 90.1 FM KSRQ. Beyond the FM dial, we stream it live and we archive at RadioNorthland.org. I'm Glenn Broggett, along with my uh, co-host and friend down there and deep in the heart of Texas is my good friend, the Grizzle Vet, Mike McCurdy. And Mike, it's uh, two weeks in a row. We're starting to get uh, a little more familiarized with each other once again. Good to have you aboard uh, for another episode. Yeah, you know, we took a break for a few weeks, you know, give, give the listeners a chance to miss it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim Cornette says, we can't miss you if you don't, if you, if you don't go away. So. <laughs> So, so, so true. But uh, we really had a good time with uh, M- Michael Modest and uh, we're going to get him on here. Uh, it's, it's a rather sooner rather than later scenario. Uh, he, he, I mean, we really didn't even get into much of his career because he was just such an engaging conversationalist who actually had, you know, he uses his understanding of pro wrestling even into modern times. So he's pretty, I thought that that was an interesting conversation, not just about him, but what his thoughts were on the business through the years as a whole. Yeah, we didn't even touch, like, hardly on his career. We talked a little bit about maybe when he first debuted, and then it just kind of went with his, just like you said, his opinions on, you know, the current situation, the current uh, wrestling world. So I've already talked to him. Uh, we've actually got him booked a couple different times. Okay. He's going to come on one day, and we're going to talk about professional wrestling secrets exposed. Oh. We all remember that great <laughs> And we're also going to talk about his time in Japan and, his time as a promoter. So yeah, we got a couple more shows. Oh, that, that, up with over the next that secrets of pro wrestling exposed. I mean, at least he, now I'm hoping he didn't have a role in that uh, made for TV, Jesse Ventura movie, because you want to talk about uh, putting movies and specials right hand in hand with one another. As far as awesomely bad, that one really took the cake. I, I, I missed the Jesse Ventura thing. I don't think I've seen that. So, uh, I'm, I'm sure. You, look it up. I'm sure you can find it on on YouTube. It's it's such a a great great um, uh, made for TV movie. Uh, what have we been doing since this last week? I mean, you know, yes, you know, the, the episode previous we had a whole bunch of what were you doing while you were away sort of talk. But while we were away uh, this past week, uh, AEW ran another pay per view. I think we both ended up getting it uh, as far as purchasing the show. Uh, what was it? Revo- I always forget the names of these. Was that Revolution. AEW Revo- Revolution. Uh, 2022, and uh, I, I for one thought it was a fantastic show. It was start to finish, some great, great, great matches, and some pretty cool stories being told in the ring. And uh, we got to see William Regal again, for God's sake. I mean, it wasn't much longer since he was last on WWE TV, but to have him uh, in AEW and to have him on TBS uh, just this past Wednesday, uh, man, nothing but upside asset uh, as far as uh, William Regal and whatever role they ultimately decide to uh, pivot him into. Uh, yeah, and it's looking like from uh, you know last night's AEW Dynamite that he's going to be a manager with uh, Danielson and Moxley. So mm-hmm. I'm interested to see where that goes. But no, Revolution was a great show. Mm-hmm. I sat down and got myself comfortable. And I I went through the full five hours. I watched the buy-in <laughs> and the four-hour pay-per-view. I will say I was not I was not bored. I did not have the need to take the bathroom break as is a custom with with a mini a show mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> WWE. But uh, no, it was great. And the selling point for me was the dog collar match between Punk and MJF. And that met my expectations and more. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, seeing Punk come out to, you know, his old ROH entrance with the music, you know, AFI and all that, it was great. I mean, from beginning to end and brutal match. But that's what you expect from a dog collar match. Mm-hmm. I think what set the table too, as far as the the main pay per view setup, uh, what they opened with uh, the the Kingston Jericho match was. 
was fantastic, and I, I, I really do like the fact that uh, Eddie went over on it because then it painted for the, the picture of what happened on, uh, on this past edition of Dynamite with Jericho basically imploding the inner circle and uh, uh, forming, it almost sounds like a, a, a Kinks album title, the Jericho Appreciation Society. Uh, it's kind of a new, new format. There but you go, Jericho Appreciation yeah, out of a few different guys, and uh, what what are your thoughts on that? I mean, moving in, Jericho uh, finds his way to slightly shape shift and um, find his way to more uh, potential T-shirt sales. I'm interested to see where it goes. I mean, he kept Hager, obviously. I mean, I don't think there's much Jake doing really so, but uh, you know the the addition of 2.0 and Dante Martin. I'm kind of interested because man, every time you turn on AEW. There's Dante Martin and 2.0. They they're everywhere, mm-hmm. you know. And now they're giving him a prominent spot. So I'm I'm curious to see how it goes and where it goes. I'm sure there's a feud with uh, Santana and Ortiz and you know 2.0 in the, in the uh, card. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see just a lot of what comes out. Obviously, um, we saw last night that Thunder Rosa won the number one contenders match. She's now facing Britt Baker in her hometown okay. in a steel cage. Do you think that they're going to they're, they're, they're gonna break that schneid? I mean, usually, of course, we incorporate uh, with WWE's uh, booking of uh, the hometown logic booking of, yeah, it's your hometown. Take the take the L. But I, I, you think with all the momentum, though, and, and just her popularity and what she's built, you think it, it, it's time for maybe a Thunder Rosa uh, title reign? I mean, uh, she's more than uh, proved herself uh, in and out with you know the victory, her victories and her defeats. She's a solid performer, and having it in that setting, I, I don't know. Maybe we got to get that feel good moment. I would love to see a Thunder Rosa victory, especially with the way the storyline's going. I kind of see it coming. Especially with the steel cage match, that's going to eliminate the uh, the problem we had at, at the pay per view with the outside interference. So I'm curious. I'm hoping for it. I've worked a lot of shows here in the area with uh, you know Thunder Rosa, and you know she puts her heart into it, regardless if she's in front of you know five thousand people or if she's in front of 150 people. Mm-hmm. You know, you see Thunder Rosa in the ring, and you get all she's got. She's yeah, an amazing talent. I can't think of anybody else that deserves it more right now. Whether it's an AEW or whether some of the stuff she's been doing recently with Mission Pro, I mean, she has been solid. She's had, I mean, this is one who's earned the spot. And I guess I would like to just, again, see the, the feel-good moment. Hey, we've got a guest and a familiar voice uh, returning to, to Rasslin' Memories. Uh, Mike, I'm going to let you uh, introduce him, and then we'll get into the banter. We can throw it all kinds of different things together, but he's got something he wants to push. And we got to let him talk about it, man, because I'm very fascinated. So, Mike, take it away, my friend. Yes, definitely. This is a very familiar voice, especially to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, no, uh, yeah, no, right now and here in Fort Worth and, you know, DFW, the Metroplex, we are right in the middle of WrestleMania, you know, fever. Everybody's getting ready for WrestleMania. There's murals on buildings. You go into a gas station to see a 10-foot-tall Roman Reigns standee selling energy drinks and, you know, we're caught up in the fever. And our guest today, you know, you can say he's caught up in it as well because he's promoting not one, but two shows, a double header, the first night of WrestleMania weekend. And oddly enough, he did the same thing six years ago on the same date in the same building on WrestleMania weekend. So we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. Our guest today, many times on this show, always a pleasure to talk with him, ISWE promoter and owner, Mr. David Fuller. David, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me, Glenn and Michael. As many times as I've talked to you, it's 
Um, it's not always a pleasure, but you know, uh, thank you for having me on. I appreciate <laughs> it. And Glenn, it's nice to hear from you again. Oh, absolutely, man. Good to hear from you. And uh, you've got some stuff cooking, man. We just want to hear what you got rolling because you're always grinding and you're always working towards something. And you've definitely got something cooking down there around WrestleMania time. Well, thank you for the time. I appreciate it. Uh, so yeah, we're relaunching, um, as Michael said, not one, <clears throat> but two brands. Uh, during the biggest week in the industry and the fifth largest media market in the nation. Um, I have been called crazy many times, but I think now I might have actually uh, hit the definition, uh, relaunching during the busiest week of the year in the industry. But we're relaunching IHWE, which is a familiar organization to probably your listeners and fans across the nation. We'll work with the National Wrestling Alliance. And then we're also bringing back the cult followed late 90s insane hardcore wrestling and uh, we're going to be doing two different brands i don't know how well it's going to work but we're going to give it a shot uh, with diverse rosters different kind of matches uh, different characters um, and we're just going to try to give the fans an alternative Um, over the years ihwe has really become the family-friendly type show. Uh, You know, I don't know if you would equivalent us to Ringling Brothers as far as wrestling and, you know, the circus. or, But it's really been the family-friendly promotion, and we've just really stayed on point with the inside the ring wrestling, keeping up with the the current style of North America and all over the world uh, with a little bit of old-school familiarity with uh, some of our guests, Southern Wrestling Hall of Fame, which is inducting new members on March 31st as well. IHW is going to be kind of an alternative to that. I know people hear that and they think deathmatch and hardcore. Uh, Not necessarily. Uh, We're going to try to push the envelope as much as we can, uh, but we want people to come out and enjoy both shows uh, because the the in-ring action and the talent is going to be unbelievable on both brands. But IHW gave us an opportunity to look at different characters and maybe develop some interesting matches, concepts, that maybe we were kind of handcuffed to on IHWE just because of what people have become accustomed to. However, in IHW, hey, IHW is where Necro Butcher became known. Uh, IHW uh, IHW is where Jazz and Rodney Mack really started to kick the door down. Uh, Rodney, after winning the NWA Texas Heavyweight Championship, Jazz would be on ECW Hardcore TV one week. The following week, she'd be in our backyard for IHW. So um, IHW, uh, I think, uh, really started to do some stuff in the Dallas Fort Metroplex, really started to change the complexity and the style of wrestling and promotion in the area i think we were still kind of in the uh in some of the territories and the regional markets even in the mid late 90s there were promoters that were hanging on to the territorial concept when everything had changed wcw and wwe were fighting for supremacy every night ecw was gaining more and more awareness um, so things were changing. Jerry Springer was the hottest show on television. That's just the way things were. It was shock television. Uh, Howard Stern was making a huge, huge impression 
and radio. So um, we saw an opportunity to uh, change things. Uh, I'm outside, so you might hear some feedback. If you do, I apologize. Uh, I'll talk a little louder. But uh, we saw an opportunity to really change things and try to promote a different kind of wrestling show and use some different talent that had not been exposed uh, to uh, anybody. So that's where Necro Butcher came in. That's where Rodney Mack and Jazz, Joey Corman, Dexter Hardaway, Canyon. Uh, but we would also rely on some of those veterans like the Colossal Kongs to come in and give us some, um, give us some validity. Uh, so IHW has always been really close to my heart. Necro Butcher over the years has really credited that experience as to allowing him to really uh, perfect this character that he went on to achieve really, really monstrous accomplishments. The wrestler with Mickey Rourke, all the championships, the run in CCW and Ring of Honor, the viral match with Samoa Joe. Um, he actually got mentioned in the intro of the Academy Awards the year that the wrestler had been nominated. So, I mean, you know, Rodney went on to WWE Jazz as well. So a lot of our wrestlers that were really identified with the brand went on to great things. Uh, we just saw an opportunity now to kind of bring it back and maybe use the platform and the lineage of that brand to maybe help a new generation in a new era of talent. So both shows are taking place on March 31st, as Michael said. Same date, same venue, the Ridgely Theater as the NWA Praise Champions that we ran together with the NWA back in 2016. IHW is going to be at 5 p.m. IHW is going to be at 7 p.m. There's a lot of great talent on both shows. And the great thing about buying tickets is once you buy a ticket, you're in for the day. Um, you know, uh, VIP gets you into the Hall of Fame. However, just general admission, you get both IHW and IHWE shows. And the talent that we have been promoting that we got coming in is astounding. We got people coming in from the United Kingdom. We got people coming in from all over the country. So IHW is going to feature some some of the maybe, I don't know, some different characters and maybe some wrestlers that the Dallas Fort Wrestling fans are maybe not used to. IHWE will probably feature a lot more of those customary Texas uh, wrestlers, characters, and athletes that people may have gotten used to. But the worldwide WrestleMania audience that are all converting into DFW, converging, I should say, onto DFW for the weekend, may have a new experience seeing some of these wrestlers that they've either seen on YouTube or never seen before based on where they live. Yeah, let's talk about that for a minute, you know, the, the lineup you've got. I mean, this is an amazing lineup. Obviously, you know, I've seen the messages coming in through the, uh, the ICWE page, and everybody is contacting you to work, uh, to try to get a spot, if anything. They're, you know, some people are even volunteering to work for free because they're just looking for a spot on a WrestleMania weekend card. Uh, you mentioned Simon Miller. He's with What Culture Wrestling. His United States debut, not just like a Texas debut. It's his first, it's his first wrestling match in the United States. That's pretty amazing. You've also got Sam Stackhouse, you know, who's getting out there on social media. And I mean, a lot of people know about this guy just recently, you know, not only wrestled, but defeated Jacob Fatu, who was the former MLW heavyweight champion. Um, with everybody coming in and everybody like, you know, oh, kind of how, how does that, one, how does that make you feel that, you know, the people are reaching out to you and, you know, wanting to be part of this? 
and also how do you handle it? How do you decide, you know, <laughs> who goes and who doesn't? It's been a lot. I think you have a I think you have a peek into that window more than anybody else. Uh, you know, it's, it makes me feel good. You know, this is our first, you know, we ran a couple of little mini shows last year, but this is the first major show we've ran since December 2017. So, I mean, you know, but I, it makes me happy that I think people look at IHW. IHW is not really as known because it's been in the closet, probably not the best choice of words, but it's been in the dust for so long. We had to bust out the VHS tapes with IW written in black Sharpie and dust off the cobwebs to educate the fans about insane hardcore wrestling. However, I think IW did a really good job over the years that it was running at, at showing that this is a what we like to see, what we would like to believe it is a top platform, uh, even though we have been gone. And while we were running, we did put out a good product. Johnny Gargano, Kyle O'Reilly, Jim Cornette, Lance Archer, Stan Hansen, Ember Moon, Athena. You know, the list goes on and on and on. Of all the people, Tim Storm, Matt Riviera, that came through. It makes me feel good. Um, now, how do I handle it? I don't know if I do. Um, I, it's, a, uh, I, it's really difficult. You really try to help as many talents as you can. Uh, first and foremost, I want to help our Texas talents. Um, and I try to see, you know, I try to really evaluate every case. The cards are pretty much full, uh, but I try to see what I can do since we'll be, uh, we'll be doing some stuff all day, uh, and we'll be doing stuff. We're going to have a close set taping, uh, during that week as well, uh, that, uh, I can't advertise, but I can tell you it's going to be a close set taping and we'll be using some talent. No one knows where it is. Uh, the talent is going to be known. Uh, it's going to know where it is, um, but we're not opening up to fans. Uh, just our staff will be there. And uh, I'm not even sure when we're going to be doing it. We're going to try to do it at a time where people are free. And we're going to be probably doing a couple of those throughout the week to tape things for our future uh, YouTube series that we have. We're going to have two. We're going to have IWE TV, and we're going to have IOL, Insanity Online. And they're both going to be weekly episodic series that will feature first-run matches, and new content that you can't see unless you watch the show. Uh, fans will actually not be allowed into these takings. They won't even know where they are or when they're happening. It'll just be our staff, and it'll just be uh, the talent. And, you know, um, so that'll be, that'll be fun. So I'm trying to figure out uh, – I just got to figure out where I can put a talent, if I can uh, put them in a place where they'll get, some, they'll get something out of it. Uh, not just financial benefit, but they'll get something out of it as far as an awareness uh, benefit as well. Um, so you just try to look at the best thing you can do for the fans, and you just kind of go with it. But um, I think we've done a really good job of putting out a decent lineup, um, and I think we have enough, you know, I think we have enough talent for everybody. I think we have enough diverse talent for everybody. I think there's something for everybody. Uh, we're still working on it. Uh, actually, I'm still working on matches. They're, you know, the championship matches are, uh, we have a couple of championship matches that are going to be decided in different kind of matchups and maybe uh, going through the documentation that it's been sent in by the, some, of, some of the approved talent and the wrestlers who aren't currently booking a championship match. We might actually, I think we're talking about putting their names into a, uh, a drawing system 
and drawing names out of a uh, drawing names out of a uh, you know something uh, a bowl or something and uh, looking at that as a possible for the uh, championship matches that need to be filled. But we're still looking at that. Uh, you might the fans might not even know what the championship matches are until they get there that night, uh, and that might be fun suspense wise. Uh, but there's a lot of good talent on the show already. Tim Storm's wrestling, and that's always a big deal. The former NWA World Heavyweight Champion. As Michael mentioned, Sam Stackhouse, the 500-pound most agile super heavyweight probably on the planet, uh, is on the show. Uh, Simon Miller making his United States debut. We've got Laney Luck and Amherst Blair and the Queen of the Ring. We've got a 10-man tag featuring some of the best talent in the state of Texas and beyond. We've got a lot of good stuff. Sam Beal is going to be wrestling Simon Miller. Sam Beal's making his Dallas Fort Worth debut. Who, I think Sam Beal has the best hair in the business. Uh, you might remember him from Impact Wrestling. Uh, and then, uh, you know, this morning we just put out that Benny, Benny Pacifico is going to wrestle Jaden Newman. And Jaden Newman just became the Southern Underground Pro Bone Storm Champion. So there's a lot of just interesting. Morgan Mercy is going to wrestle Nova Phoenix. And I tell you what, these two women's athletes are probably stronger than some of the men. And when they get together, I have to worry about building liability and possibly bail money at the point when you get Morgan and Nova together. It's not going to be your typical women's wrestling match. We've got Hoss Holding, a local Fort Worth, um, a local Fort Worth uh, civilian uh, citizen who used to live here, graduated from here. He was born here, raised his kids here. He's returning to compete for the IHW Texas Brass Knuckles Championship, a championship dear to my heart, a uh, championship that I grew up watching against the unknown, and that's pretty much all I can say about him because that's all I know about him. Um, you know, we've got a lot of just interesting matches and we've got Mark Lawrence coming. We've got Rob Moore. We're going to have Katie Lynn from America's Got Talent, semifinalists. Uh, we've got Lee Nalen and NBA and TCU alumni. We've got something for everybody on the events. So, uh, and not to mention the Southern Wrestling Hall of Fame induction ceremony. So it's just a lot. You try to, because it's WrestleMania, because there's so many different alternatives out there, you really try to line everything up and present the best, say, of talent and attractions that you can. So that way the audience has more choices when they're looking at all the options as far as where do you go, when do you go, for that night at that particular time, because there are so many different options. I'm very confident in what we're putting out. I think it's going to be fantastic. If you come to the Ridgely Theater on March 31st, you will not be disappointed. I can guarantee you that because I know the talent that is coming and I know the work that is going into putting these matches and attractions together. Well, let's talk about, you mentioned the Southern Wrestling Hall of Fame. That ceremony is going to be at 3 p.m. Uh, you said if you're a VIP ticket holder, you'll, you'll be, uh, you have access to that as well. Um, that's a project that's kind of close to your heart and all that. You've had a chance to induct a lot of, you know, a lot of Texas legends, but then a few years back, you opened it up to, to the South, which is why now it's the Southern Wrestling Hall of Fame. Uh, but let's talk about that a little bit. Some of the inductees that, uh, people are going to get a chance, maybe not to see in person. Some of these might be, you know, uh, video acceptances due to COVID 
re regulations and restrictions. Some people are still aren't willing or ready to travel yet. But right. talk about ceremony a little bit. Who some of the names coming in? Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, uh, this started a few years ago. Um, I was broken by Johnny Valentine, and at that time there was really no Hall of Fame devoted to Texas. I know the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame would make its way down here a few years ago, and now it's kind of up in the air. Uh, hopefully, news will be available for that soon. I hope. Um, so, but so this Hall of Fame was really started as just a way to have a Texas Wrestling Hall of Fame with a ceremony every year to just induct people, maybe either who were born here or the people that had a career here. Um, and not just names that everybody would recognize, but also, you know, Carpenters, the Stan Hansen, Paul, and Journeyman wrestlers, as they've been referred to by others. Production assistants, promoters, bookers, actors, referees, commentators, you know, just wrestlers and on-camera people who make a show successful. There's a lot of people that are involved to make a great show. Uh, so the, we have two classes this year because of the pandemic. We're putting two classes in. So the first class is going to feature the former NWA Texas heavyweight champion, uh, my name is Mike Fox, former NWA Texas heavyweight, talk about Summers, the former NWA Texas brass knuckles champion, the professional John Allen, the NWA Texas tag team champion, and pro wrestling NOAA alumni Bull Schmidt, who was trained by Harley Race. A uh, military veteran, pro wrestling broadcaster, sports broadcaster, and wrestling journalist, Stu Myrick. Director for World Class Championship Wrestling, Ring of Honor, MLW, and World Championship Wrestling Television, Dan Bynum. The promoter of OSW, the late Fred Urban. The former Dallas Fort Worth Tag Team Champions, Jeff and Jerry, the Brown Brothers. Um, a an official in the NWA and IHWE and several other promotions, Super Dave Miller, a father and son duo, the first ever father and son duo to go into the Hall of Fame, promoter, wrestler, trainer, Tugboat Taylor, and wrestler, promoter, and actor, Chaz Taylor. That's the class of 2021. Some of those uh, obviously are posthumous, so there'll be videos. Uh, we have reached out to everybody going in. Now, we had originally put out a list of yeah. people that had agreed. We, we had put out a list of people that had actually agreed either to be there in person or to have a family member who had passed on. But then when I went through and started reconfirming, I gave people options if they couldn't be there. I said, hey, do you want us to push yours back? So maybe you'd have an opportunity to be on hand or would you like to send a video? And some of the individuals said, hey, if we can, we'd like to hold off so we can actually maybe be on site when this happens. Perfectly fine. This is for the families and for the wrestlers themselves. So it, it really doesn't matter to me. I gave people an option. The class of 2022, military veteran, multi-team champion across the world, the Destroyer, Dick Bayer, I'm extremely excited about this. Uh, promoter and manager, the always controversial, the original player, Lance Romance. The IHWE Queen of the Ring and the ACW American Joshi Champion, Jessica James. Uh, promoter, director, producer, the great Austin Kellerman. The NWA Texas Tag Team Champions, the Overboys with Mike Page. 
a uh, a name you've heard over the years involved in almost every major promotion, promoter, agent, and trainer, Bill Barons, and the four-time NWA Texas heavyweight champion, the German-born J.P. Black. Those are your inductees for the class of 2021 and the class of 2022. There will be video speeches uh, by individuals and by family members. But yeah, it's quite a class. I'm really excited. And the Hall of Fame was started by me just to honor people, like I said, not necessarily people who, you know, just not everybody's going to recognize all of these people from a national standpoint or global standpoint. Obviously, everybody knows who Dick Bayer is. People remember the Destroyer. I mean, the man did so much in Japan, not just in the ring, humanitarian he did humanitarian things. Um, he received the, let me see. He received the order of the rising sun from the emperor of Japan in 2017. And when I was talking to Kurt, his son about his father going to the hall of fame, you know, Kurt didn't need to educate me on what the destroyer had done inside the ring. However, what I did need to do the education on was everything, to Kurt, uh, everything that Mr. Bayer did outside of the ring. And I was talking to Kurt the other night, and because uh, we're looking to try to possibly do a trading card of the Destroyer, maybe the Destroyer's mask. So he was talking to me the other night. He was talking about the uh, land of the rising sun presented by the Emperor of Japan. And apparently the same year that the Destroyer was given the award – he read off another name. Condoleezza Rice received the Order of the Rising Sun Award the same year that the Destroyer got it. And in my head, I'm picturing Condoleezza Rice's staff looking at who's all getting the induction or the award. And I'm just imagining somebody running into her office saying, yeah, the Destroyer is receiving the award along with you. And I just want to see Condoleezza Rice's face when she figures out who the destroyer is. <laughs> so, but that's the impact that the destroyer had on pop culture in Japan. Can you imagine the emperor of Japan giving this award to the destroyer, a gaijin wrestler? You have to think about the impact that the destroyer had on pop culture over in that country to receive such a prestigious award. To my knowledge, somebody could correct me. Please tell me if I'm wrong. The way it was read to me, that's one of the biggest accolades you can receive in the country of Japan. And the destroyer received it. And the emperor's, um, the, the emperor's people flew over to the United States to have the induction ceremony in New York where the destroyer lived. That's pretty impressive. That's how much stroke the destroyer had. So, and just, you know, and, and, and again, you know, I, I researched this. I haven't talked to Michael about it because Michael's my go-to historian. I need, I wanted to know, Hey, did, 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 you know, the destroyer, cause most everybody thinks of the destroyer. You think of his career over Japan or you think about his career in California. Dick Bayer did not have a big run in the South. However, he did wrestle in Alabama in his early days. He also wrestled in Fort Worth for big-time wrestling at the Cowtown Coliseum. 
and I believe he wrestled Duke Kiyomuka or Bull Curry, one of the two. I was looking it up the other night. And he also wrestled in Houston. But that doesn't matter because the Destroyer is known the world over. And he's one of those names that should be in every wrestling hall of fame. So in my eyes, you can't have a wrestling hall of fame unless you have the destroyer in it. So I was glad Kurt accepted the beha- um, the honor. I was glad more than happy. I was just elated. So I'm so glad that we're being allowed to induct the destroyer into the hall of fame. But um, some of these names, Austin Kellerman, Dan Bynum. So those are two guys that they put everything on camera. They did the videos. Austin Kellerman worked behind the scenes. He brought the first. He was doing the first real wrestling websites in Texas. Before Austin Kellerman came along, it was all angelfire.com backslash 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 or geocities.com backslash backslash backslash. Austin Kellerman comes along. He gives us real websites with real URLs. That may not seem like a big deal, but it was at the time. He took a guy like me, who never looked like a wrestler, and he made me look like a wrestler just by my website. And then he starts a promotion with Richard Hunter, who's very well known in radio these days. He's got his own show, I think, out in Las Vegas. Richard Hunter and Austin Kellerman start XSE down here in Fort Worth, Texas. And it was a great idea, great concept. They had great ideas. They ran a couple of shows. And, you know, things happen. It's really hard to get a promotion up and going. But they really put their heart and soul into it. And now Austin works in news. And Austin did production videos for PCW. He was a manager. Dan Bynum, he worked, he, he directed television for World Class, Ring of Honor. He was the guy to go to to produce and direct wrestling shows, live events, television. He worked with Ring of Honor. So, I mean, these people need to be honored. They need to be recognized because, number one, they deserve it. And number two, those people don't ever get acknowledged, so there's not a big demand for that job simply because there's not a whole lot of glory in that job. So, I mean, if more people are recognized for the work that they do, there'll be a bigger demand for people wanting to do that job. And we need more people doing that job because, hey, Kevin Dunn, is pretty much the only guy. Kevin Dunn, Craig Leathers, Keith Mitchell, uh, Kevin Sullivan, David Sahadi. Those are the names you hear, for the most part, associated with directing wrestling. You don't hear about a whole lot of... I mean, those are probably the only people I've heard over the years. Maybe Kervin... I could be wrong. Kervin Silfies, I think. But anyway, you don't hear a whole lot of... uh, Nelson Swegler, possibly. I'm not sure if he directed television or if he was just in charge and going to market to market to sell television. I'm not 100% sure. But these are the only names that you ever hear. So there's not a big demand to go do that job. So we need to come in and say, hey, we want to honor these people for doing this job. And then there'll be a bigger demand to go get this job because who doesn't like to be pat on the back and recognized? We all do. It's just a self-fulfilling prophecy in all human beings. So we all want to be pat on the back, and there's nothing wrong with that. So we want to honor people in every, every role that we can possibly think of in wrestling. So like Jim Cornette, me personally, I did every single job associated with wrestling. The only thing I never did was edit, 
put together graphics or produced television because I'm, I suck at all three. But every other job I have done, I think Jim said he, the only thing he hadn't done was pop the popcorn kernels. I didn't do that either. So, I mean, these roles need to be recognized. So Southern Hall of Fame means a lot to me. I appreciate you giving it a platform. Michael, I appreciate your time doing it. It's extremely important. It's not about money. We don't make $1 from doing the Southern Wrestling Hall of Fame. And I don't intend to. This is just, and we're, get, uh, we're working on getting it archived with the University of Texas Arlington and their libraries because they're doing an archival project for Texas Wrestling. So we just want people to be recognized and remembered for their contributions to professional wrestling no matter who recognizes their name or not, because there's a lot of guys that went from show to show over the years that made the towns, they're carpenters. But without them, there isn't a wrestling show. They all need to be recognized. And for some of these families of these wrestlers that have passed on, this means a very, very big deal to them. All right, Glenn, I'm going to pass the microphone over to you. I'm sure you've got a couple questions. For, uh, I, got, I, I got a couple here. Uh, you mentioned the name Bill Barron's uh, as well into your Hall of Fame festivities. Now, there's a gentleman that uh, has done a lot of stuff behind the scenes as far as the coordination and the hiring and the and moving around of professional wrestlers. There's another one of those names that people know but don't really know kind of what he's all about, but you're going to be honoring him as well? Yes. Yes, because any, you know, AJ Styles, AJ Styles credits Bill Barron's for his whole success. And, I mean, to this day, when somebody is looking for more bookings, they hire Bill Barron's. And he was associated with TNA when TNA first started getting going. I know WCW was relying on him at one point, I think towards the end, when they were looking at um, um, AJ Styles and some of the Georgia-based talent. Bill Barron's has developed a lot of talent over the years. And he's the go-to guy. He had NWA Wildside for many years, and that was one of the more prominent NWA territories when you didn't hear a whole lot about the NWA. So Bill, Bill Barron's is a guy that has gone, come into the business. He has stuck around the business, and there's still a need for a guy like Bill Barron's. I think that speaks a lot to the person of who he is. So, yeah, we want to honor Bill Barron's because, again, without that guy, do we have AJ Styles? It took – Bill Barron's was the guy who was willing to give AJ that chance, that platform. And, yeah, AJ Styles went in there and took the bumps. Did Yes, no, I'm not taking anything away from AJ. He's one of the greatest ever laced up. But it took a guy like Bill Barron's to make that happen. So, I mean, Bill Barron's needs to be, like I said, and, Glenn, thank you for bringing it up. It's about the whole spectrum. It's about everybody that's really had a hand in producing, you know, something to do with wrestling. And Bill Barron's perfectly fits that bill because for a long time, Bill Barron's was the go-to guy. If you were going to Georgia, Bill Barron's was the guy you needed to contact. Now, we talk about your, your connection uh, to, to Texas wrestling, but your appreciation of, of, of the, some of the legends that came before us. Uh, you, you're, uh, you've, you've worked, you mentioned before, with, with Mark Lawrence. And how important is it to have guys that are still around from that era 
to 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 make appearances at your show and uh, be kind of part of the assemblage of the young and old because you don't want to have too many veterans and too many uh, things inundate the, uh, your younger guys. But what is it like to have guys like uh, a Mark Lawrence uh, to come in and, and show support and, and to be able to be part of your shows? I mean, you've had some great people over the years do these shows, but uh, let's talk about Mark Lawrence just because, you know, the whole announcer thing. I, I just got to bring it up. So Mark Lawrence was the voice so many people heard. It was him and Bill Mercer. That was the voice so many people heard for so long. Every Saturday morning or every Saturday night, when anything big happened in world-class championship wrestling, you heard or saw one or two people, Bill Mercer or Mark Lawrence. We actually had Bill Mercer and Mark Lawrence with Skandar Akbar at the very first IHWE show back in 2008. Bill is uh, in his 90s now, so and Bill's in, living in the Carolinas. Mark is still here. It's extremely important because Mark is a name that people recognize. And as soon as you and, – and, and let, me, let me get context. In Fort Worth, Mark is not just the world-class guy. He did TCU sports. He did the Fort Worth Texans hockey. He was a part of the uh, uh, Texas sports radio broadcasting. Mark has been identified as the voice of Fort Worth for so long, in addition to his work at World Class. He's a voice that so many people remember. So when they hear his voice, they perk up. Number two, when they see him, it's familiar, familiarity. You know, the first time I saw Mark Lawrence was in World Class Championship Wrestling. I went to a show at Will Rogers. It was Eric Emery and Percy Pringle, the late, great Percy Pringle, in a scaffold match against uh, Cactus Jack, Mick Foley, and gorgeous Gary Young. Mark Lawrence was doing the color with Frank Dusick. So Mark was stuffing a hot dog in his face the first time I saw him, and he signed an autograph for me. Well, that stuck with me. And he's just treating me. He's a good dude. When my father passed away, Mark actually came to a church he had no association with whatsoever. And he actually spoke at my dad's memorial. He did that for me. He didn't do that for money. He didn't do that because, I mean, I actually had to get permission for him to come talk at this church because that was a big deal. I didn't realize it at the time, but it was. But Mark did it. So, I mean, Mark makes me feel comfortable um he's he he comes in he doesn't pull guys aside and say when you did this you should have done that now if somebody's doing an interview with mark he might give them maybe i've never seen him do it but he might he's just a good man every time we talk he's joking and he's just a good man you would think at this point in his life he wouldn't want anything to do with wrestling. And he, there was a while he went, and he, I don't think he did. But now Mark's seeing that the fans love him. We appreciate him being there. So many people grew up watching him. That is extremely important. And just like I said, when you see Mark Lawrence, if I put Mark Lawrence in an interview segment with a guy and, or a, ta- a female talent, a male or female talent, and throw it up on YouTube, people watch. You know why? Because Mark Lawrence is standing next to that person. So it's all about the rub. It's all about that rub. Mm-hmm. And we bring in people like Mark Lawrence because Mark has no, no interest in being a star. 
Mark's there because I think he likes seeing the fans. And I think he likes to participate in this role where he's not totally immersive. It's just something he can show up and do if he's treated the right way. I mean, he made a big deal. He said, David, y'all treated me better than almost anybody. We really try to make sure that Mark is comfortable. He has what he needs because Mark doesn't have to do this. You know, he's, he's not for the money. Mark doesn't ask for a huge booking fee. I think Mark asked for what it costs to get him out there. So, I mean, he doesn't have to do that. I think he does it out of love. I think he enjoys meeting people who grew up watching him. He, but he, you know, he, he does it for all the right reasons. And when he shows up, he'll do anything I ask him to do. Last time we were on the phone, I said, hey, why don't you go ahead and put on some tights and wrestle? And I said, that'll sell out the building. And he said, David, the last time somebody saw me in shorts was at a church function, and they told me, they made me promise never again. (laughs) So he's a really good-hearted guy who has a sense of humor. Also, at the Ridgely Theater, where this event is taking place, when he was growing up, because he moved to Fort Worth when he was one years old. I asked him a while back because I was looking at history of Fort Worth and everything, and I wanted to see if he was actually born here. But he came here when he was one years old. He worked as an usher at the Ridgely Theater when he was growing up. I think that part that plays a part in it as well because we all want to feel nostalgic. We all want to go back to that place that we have a childhood memory of. Here he has an opportunity to go back to that place. And by the way, you're going to do the thing that you've been doing for the last 30 years. I think Mark enjoys it, and it's really good for us because, you know, anytime you can bring a guy like Mark Lawrence in, that world-class audience that maybe is disenchanted with the way the business is, they see Mark Lawrence advertise, and they go, well, I don't know anybody else on that show. I know Mark Lawrence. I'll go see him. And they also know he's a pastor. And he is a major part of this community. He has been bringing people together by the grace of the good Lord for so many years. He has consoled people. He has shown people love. He's a good man. And that's really hard to find these days. No agenda. No, nothing shady. He's a good man. Who's just there to have a good time and it shows. So yeah, that's a no brainer for me. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Come on, Mark. <laughs> so it does a lot. And seeing him there the first time, I think I said this last time I was on the podcast, the first time I brought in Mark Akbar and Bill Mercer, I'm running the show. I'm going crazy. I'm wrestling in the main event because I'm a promoter and that's what we do. Uh, I'm wrestling in the main event, and um, I just stop. And people are coming at me in all directions. What do we do? What do we do? I'm like, ah, leave me alone for a minute. And I'm fixated because Bill, Mark, and Ashbar are just sitting together. And they're just talking. And I, just, I look at that, and I go, huh, it's crazy. I was running shows in the backyard 10 years ago. And now, now look at what's going on. So, yeah. 
it, it's a really good thing having Mark there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring in Mike McCurdy and uh, to uh, take in this final segment uh, and take us home here on this edition of Wrestling Memories with our guest David Fuller. Mike, you know David, we mentioned in the intro that uh, six years ago, on the same exact date, March 31st, 2016, the first day of WrestleMania weekend, you promoted the NWA Parade of Champions at uh, the Ridgeley Theater, and now. Six years later, March 31st, 2022, the doubleheader. Looking back at it all and kind of taking a step back and kind of looking at the whole picture, how do you compare the two shows? You know, because like I said, everything is in exact the way it was, you know, just six years apart. How do you compare the two? Well, um, difficult. Um, the dates are the same, um, but that's pretty much it. You know, we... Uh, it's a good question. Mike has Mike has one every once in a while. It's not a recurring thing, but every once in a while, he has a really good question or a thought. You kind of have to wait for the rainbow and look for the pot of gold. And this is what I do to Michael every day, folks. So don't sit there and tweet at me that I'm. This is how me and Michael converse. So just it's all know, good, folks. This is this is what it is. So Michael's also the first person I go to when I need something. So he knows he's valued. Um, you know, six years ago, I, it's a lot more difficult now because the number of shows have doubled. You know, six years ago, I don't, I can't, I don't know who was number. I think there might have been maybe two shows running at the at the same time we were. Two now there's like eight. Yeah, <laughs> there's just a lot more. There's not a whole lot of market share, uh, you know, than there was. We had the association with the NWA. That helped, but we also had Jim Cornette, and I think that was a big reason why we did the number that we did. Um, we don't have that this time around, uh, for no other reason other than Jim just doesn't want to travel anymore. There's nothing. <laughs> so, I mean, that's what it is. Um, but this gives us an opportunity. We were, uh, we were obligated to the NWA <clears throat> last time around. And that was a blessing. Not really a curse. I, some, people, some people ask me, why did you devote so much time? But I thought the NWA was the best way to draw. Because more people know the NWA than they know who we are. And people can make their comments and say, this was before Billy Corgan got a hold of it. Bruce Tharp was running it. And Bruce was doing as good a job as he possibly could. But more people knew who the NWA was. No matter how distant the NWA brand was at that time, they were still more recognized than we were. We're regional, regional indie. That's it. That's, that's as much as I, I can sit here and tout us and everything else. But, you know, that's what we were. That's what we are. <laughs> the NWA had global recognition. Bruce was working in Japan. Hell, Steve Anthony had just won the NWA Junior Heavyweight Championship a few days before from Jushin Thunder Liger. So, you know, having the NWA, so it's going to be a completely different show because this show is going to be more about Texas. It's going to be more about Texas. We're not, and we're not interested in having a bunch of people here to wrestle that won't be here next week. Are we going to have some out-of-state talent? Yes, because we want a variety. However, I really want to try to make sure that the people on this show 
are the same ones that are making the towns every single week that are making all of these Texas shows so successful. Texas is in a lot better shape now than it was six years ago. You have a lot more viable brands, indie promotions here in Texas than you did six years ago. So I think more Texas shows, more events with Texas promoters and Texas wrestlers and Texas brands have a bigger margin of success than they would have six years ago. Because I think, I could be wrong, I believe VIP, MPX, and myself with the NWA are the only Texas promotions that were really doing anything six years ago when WrestleMania was here that are based here in Texas and the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. Now you have Texas Mania, which is a whole variety of Texas promotions. You have a lot of other Texas Martinez promotions might have done something six years ago now that I think about it. I think they did. So Martinez, VIP, MPX, and myself six years ago. Now there's other wrestling promotions that have come to that have started in Texas over those six years that have really developed a good brand identity and they're very strong. So I believe those shows are going to be very successful. We're relaunching. So it's already an uphill battle for us because we don't have any momentum. So it's an uphill battle. So I look at it as a challenge. I also look at it, I look, a little, I also look at it as the greater risk, the greater reward. I believe we have to do this show during WrestleMania. No matter what the risks are, I believe we have to. To show people that, hey, here's what we're doing. And by the way, we're starting during WrestleMania week. That's nuts. I don't know too many wrestling promotions that relaunch during WrestleMania week. But that's what we're doing. So, I mean, you know, it's risky. It is. But we have the right people. We have the right talent. We have the right team. We have the right affiliations. Things are going good. But it, it's an uphill battle. So, I believe it's a bigger challenge I believe it's a bigger challenge for us than it was six years ago. At the same time, I believe it's a better, I believe Texas is in a lot better place on its own than it was six years ago. So Texas is going to be really good for Texas. It's going to be really good for the Texas talent. It's going to be really good for the brands here in Texas. I think the whole weekend is. WrestleMania is also running on two nights. That helps because you may get more fans um, that are coming here, but the COVID pandemic also is going to have its effect on it as well, because there's still going to be people who either can't travel or are still a little apprehensive on traveling. Um, so, and people have asked us, why don't you do a live pay-per-view? Well, we'd get slaughtered if we did. There's just, we're relaunching. We, there's too many, there's too many established brands running iPay-per-views, and there's only so much money to go around. So I think we're better off doing what we're doing. We're taping everything for future distribution on video on demand, uh, and we'll be doing live video throughout the show. However, you know, we, we gotta, we gotta kind of stick to our guns and, you know, do what we gotta do. So, but, uh, you know, it's, it's certainly, like I said, I think Texas is in a better place than it was six years ago. 
on its own. I think the challenge for us is greater simply because we don't have the same people that we did before. And uh, we're relaunching, but this show is going to be more about taxes uh, than it was, you know, making sure that the NWA looked as good as it could. That was our goal because I was a team guy and I was a company guy and we were part of the NWA. So it was more establishing the NWA as still a big brand in professional wrestling than it was for our our regional wrestling territory. So before we wrap up this interview for our listeners outside of the area, obviously, you know, ICWE, ICWE has a large social media presence this year. Um, where can the listeners reach out and find this on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the, uh, all the appropriate social media channels? <laughs> all right. So there's a bunch of them. I'm going to read them all slow. So IHWETX.com will lead you to the online store to buy tickets. If you're coming to Fort Worth, Dallas for WrestleMania week and you want to come see our show in Fort Worth, Texas at the Ridgely Theater, check it out. Facebook.com backslash IHWE Pro Wrestling is our Facebook home. YouTube.com backslash IHWE2009. IHWETX on Instagram. IHWE Wrestling on Twitter, <clears throat> IHW.Entertainment on TikTok, and then IHW has a Facebook, but not, you'll just have to type in IHW as it doesn't have a custom uh, URL for Facebook yet. IHWDFW on Twitter and IHWDFW on Instagram. And our YouTube page is developing. Um, we have a lot more, <laughs> a lot more um, viewer discretion advised content on the IHW YouTube. I actually uploaded Necro Butcher versus Adula the Butcher from NWA Southwest, and it is extremely violent. So we're still working out the the kinks on the YouTube for the IHW brand. <laughs> uh, I might have to check that one out. That, that sounds interesting. I've, I don't think I've ever seen that before. I was there, and by the All time right. it was over with, and by the time it was over with, Abdullah the Butcher had torn apart the building, the ambulance, and the fire truck was called. So a typical Abbey match. Right? Correct. Which <laughs> is why you never saw Abdullah the Butcher on any IHW shows. All right, Glenn, I'm going to pass the microphone back over to you. Well, yes, another edition of Wrestling Memories is uh, already finished. I can't believe what a fast-moving hour it was. Big thank you to David Fuller and, of course, my co-host, Mike McCurdy, the, gri- the grizzled vet. For Wrestling Memories, I'm Glenn Broggett. So long for now.